0: Greg, Maya, and Betty are not experts, nor do they claim to be. They're just a bunch of nerds who enjoy talking about movies, shows, and current events. So sit back, grab a coffee, relax, and enjoy a brand new episode of All Cued Up.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of All Cued Up, the review podcast tied, tied to streaming services like uh, Netflix, Amazon Prime, HBO Max, Disney Plus, etc., etc., etc. I'm your host, Greg Dietz, and with me always is Maya Donfisher and Betty Badger. How are you two doing this week?
2: Go ahead, Maya.
0: Uh, for the most part, it's been a good week, but yesterday was a clusterfuck, but other than that, yeah, things are going well we uh we had no internet for about 14 hours or home phone so we had no means of communication fortunately misty does have a cell phone and we used it to contact her sister to, so we could let you guys know what happened but apparently a cold truck had had an accident and during the accident it happened to take out the internet by ripping out a fiber line uh a major fiber line so two entire counties were without internet service for about 14 hours yesterday so that was great so we're recording a day late yeah (laughs) but other than that things are good how about you betty
2: things are good yeah it's nice weather enjoying it and just chill what about you greg
1: they're right. They're not bad. Uh my uh my folks, because they're home alone now, because I'm doing the working on my own, uh have been going too hard and, and heavy on trying to get things that are in the house. So now they're both injured. Uh pretty significantly. Injured to the extent of like it just exacerbated their, their already, you know, injuries that make them disabled. And so
0: that's that's <laughs> the cover story that they told you, right?
1: Probably, yeah. It's very likely.
0: They uh, they were they were banging it out.
1: No nope nope they don't you know nope. Uh-huh. They were
0: they were they don't have to tell you about it. That's what they were doing. That's why they're hurt. They're not used to contorting their bodies like that right now.
1: There are things I want to say to somewhat no proof of this, and I don't. I'm not gonna say nothing. <laughs> Cause <mm-mm>, nope. <laughs> anyway, happened.
0: Uh... <laughs> your mom called out your that. name.
1: Okay, good lord, man. God damn it. Have <laughs> such a good morning? The worst. I am, um, I really am. <laughs> anyway, yeah, lord. Uh... We're not going to uh, review it for the podcast, but I do recommend that everyone check out uh, Squid Game on Netflix. Uh, I started watching that like an episode at a time the past few days, and it is as good as everyone's making it out to be. Um, if you have a problem with some bad voice acting, definitely watch it in Korean with subtitles, but um, I, I don't mind bad voice acting a little bit, but... Uh, most of it isn't bad. It's just, it's just a few characters are like, Oof. <laughs> who'd you get for this? Yikes. But, um, uh, I don't want to get play...
0: Steve from around the corner.
1: Yeah. Uh, much like one of the shows that we're going to review on the podcast today. Um, I don't want to tell anybody what Squid Game is about at all because going into it will be a surprise. It's a fun surprise. Uh, I mean, if you don't care about spoilers, more than happy message me, and I'll tell you what the hell it's about. But uh, it's a lot more fun to just kind of go in and be surprised on that one. So but anyway, um, yeah, other than that, uh, you know, watching what we were interviewed today. review today, uh, what we're going to review today. So uh, if you didn't catch last week's, what we're going to review today is uh, episode eight of Marvel's What If? episode five of why the last man and the netflix limited series midnight mass which is uh written and directed by the same guy who did haunting of hill house and haunting of blind manor mike flanagan um uh and uh all right and i'm gonna let you let you folks know right now at the top of the show if you have not seen midnight mass do not listen to this episode of the podcast Genuine.
0: Until, until after you've watched it. Then come back and download and listen.
1: Absolutely. Like, that's, yeah, very clear. If you haven't seen it, do not listen until you've seen it. Uh, mainly, I'll put it this way I didn't know anything going into it. I heard Mike Flanagan made a new horror show for Netflix, and I was in. <sighs> that was literally all I knew. And I'm so happy that I did. That being said, uh, we're actually going to start talking about uh, episode five of Why the Last Man. Um, uh, and if you two are ready, we'll just dive right into that one.
0: Sploosh. Sploosh.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, that was the that character was... from,
1: uh, Archer. Oh, uh, there's a girl, there's a girl who, who's like really into BDSM in that show. And whenever she gets, uh, like she's attracted to something, she's just like, Sploosh. <laughs> So it's, it's a great joke. Anyway, if you haven't seen our I if your mom said that this morning, fuck. <laughs> My what is up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I just know it makes Greg so uncomfortable, and I have to say it. It's so funny.
2: Kind of making me uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh god. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry, but I am. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, we know you're not sorry. <laughs> you're enjoying this. <laughs>
1: Anyways, right. uh this episode of why the last man uh took place uh in Boston. In Boston. Okay. Yeah, uh 355 and York make their way to Boston uh to find Allison Mann, Dr. Allison Mann. Um and uh on the flip side, uh Yorick's mother uh we go back to her and we see what she's having to deal with with the other woman that was in a, f- uh what country was she in anyway she's back israel. in israel White- israel thank you yeah she's she's back at the White House, and uh we see a little bit of that starting to form uh with that tension there so um which is again, and I can't stress this enough, not in the fucking comic uh so um let's concentrate on the story with three fifty five in New York and then we'll jump over to his mom uh I found it fascinating that Boston was at war. Uh, not something I expected to see, because it's definitely not something that's in the comics per se, as far as I remember. Um, but I liked it. I liked how they kind of branched out into what a lot of people would be going through at that moment like, you know, not trusting the government, not trusting what anybody's telling them. The the uh, the the if you want to call it propaganda that's on the walls and stuff that they or York has to look at. Also, can we talk about how fucking stupid York is? God damn it! Yeah,
2: he's fucking stupid. I mean, I thought we'd <laughs> establish that. well oh,
1: we did. He just—I <laughs> still found myself going York, York. God damn it, York! Fucking. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's always you know what. It he's like the the fairy tale you know fairy tales always have like you know clever Hans and he's the stupidest idiot but he always manages to get out of whatever screwed up situation he finds himself in he is clever Hans you know and somehow he screws things up but he always manages to come out of it just fine it's like god I wish this would stop happening to you reality would, would just Backhand you across the face, so you stop being stupid,
1: <laughs> which um. is also very clever as to why they made him an escape artist because that a hundred percent is a thing like oh yeah like you you talking about how like how he does that, and it's like it just fits perfectly in the fact that he is he's trained to be an escape artist, and he uh and that's like regardless of show or comic like that's a hundred percent a a uh if you want to call it a character trait that I absolutely fucking love. Um, but uh, he also has this really cl- like 355 says to him at one point to charm Allison Mann. And I thought to myself, I was like, yeah, York, he can do that. He has this weird way about kind of being like a, a kind of a dumb golden retriever. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of like, oh, give him a little pat on the head. So um but yeah I I uh still love fucking 355. Uh nothing's changed there. I'm trying to think about yeah,
2: Do up. you think she really wanted to meet up with Allison Mann, or was she just going there? You know, that was her excuse to go there and go to this safe house. Or I guess it was a safe house. I don't know what the hell that
1: was. I think. I what what I think she's going through is that, um. She's still, uh, yeah, because it's it's a it's a, it's a weird situation, because she's she's accomplished her mission, but now she has this huge problem with the mission ending by Alice or yeah, like Alice and Man saying I'm not going with you do to Washington, I'm going to San Francisco, and, I think that she was kind of lost for a second. Where her entire, like, life for a long time has been working for the president. Mm-hmm. Covertly. Now that's changed. Now the, the well changed, so.
0: Well, not for the president. She worked for the Culper ring.
1: Well, that's true. That's true, yes. <clears throat>
0: she had only been assigned to the president the day before everything went down.
2: Yeah, I mean, she's obviously a very... She's a covert operative, but I also surmised from the conversation she had with the other woman that they were handpicked at a very young age. Yeah, which creeps me out; makes me feel icky.
1: <laughs> very yeah.
0: similar to the Black Widows. I
1: was going to say that. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Uh yeah. I just I think that. I think that she's going through a little bit of like a trying to figure out what to do because I think she sees what's, what's better for the situation, but also like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really fascinating. It's really, really fascinating what she's going through and what she's thinking. Cause she never says it out loud. You kind of have to just figure it out where, you know, York or Allison Mann lay it out on the table and, uh, I I I felt this way reading the comic, I feel this way reading the show. 355 is by far one of the most interesting characters.
2: I think so. So far, that's what I feel, you know. I adore her. York can shove off,
1: but, you know. <laughs> also, oh, I'd like to point this out. Much like York and 355, Alice Mann is also pulled directly from the comic. Directly, like <clears throat> really, really impressed with that. I was like, well, I didn't think they'd be able to pull that off, but here we are. Um. I really
0: enjoyed how she was, and though we didn't get the full exposition of it, we got a great insight into who was affected and why they were affected. Yeah. Um, She immediately, she's like, you've got a Y chromosome. How's that possible? And then ampersand oh my god there's two of you and she
1: she was she was like you pointless uh, you and him fucking like amazing yeah yeah there's something
2: going on there i'll be very curious to see what it is
1: um yeah like i really really hope this show you know goes for at least four to six seasons to tell the full story I really, really hope that like they don't cancel it like during the second season, but like you're never going to figure out what happens. Um. But uh, but yeah, Um, I don't like. But
2: if it goes as well as Handmaid's Tale, then you know it should continue because they took that and pulled it out even further than the book. So
0: yeah. Well, you also have to think, even though it's. Uh, on Hulu, it's actually being financed by FX. Which is owned by Disney. So, it should be okay, I'm hoping. But FX doesn't have the greatest track record with shows running to their end.
1: True. <clears throat> I, I'll also point this out, that it is the specifically FX on Hulu. Like, this is an area on TV, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, hope, that that gives me more hope.
1: I don't know what's numbers yet, but I'm really hoping that they're de- they're good enough to keep the show going. But um, something that uh, Betty touched on for like a second was uh, um, this episode kind of goes into a little bit about like what's what's going on elsewhere and with other people, like when New York was in that room with the other girls and talking about like or showing what they're going through, um, but also what the military girls are going through and. I love that. Really love that. Because, again, I think one of the big things about the comic is it doesn't dive too much into what anybody else is going through. It focuses on York, Allison, and 355. As far as I remember, it focuses directly on them. Well, uh,
2: I, I like that it, it doesn't do that because I don't think the show right. would be as good as if, if it just focused on those people. Right. Yeah, you know, because this is more than just those people. This is you want to make people feel like you know they're in it too, that they can relate to it in one way or another.
1: Yeah, I think that's something that uh, you can take a test to, like, not uh, not take a test to, but it can be a testament to the difference between mediums, like. If this TV show did exactly what the comic would be, I 100% agree that it would fail. Um, so I'm really happy that we have three different stories that will hopefully meet up at some point, but also are their own thing. Uh, we also didn't meet up with, um, with Hero at all. Hero and Sam. So we don't know what the fuck they're going through at the moment with those other, those other women that... Um, what was that actress's name you really liked from the last episode?
2: Oh, Missy Powell. Missy
1: Powell. Um, yeah, we didn't we didn't see them at all this episode. So yeah. It was But uh, I'm waiting. Yeah. The other thing I find absolutely fascinating is that we are what 80 days into this apocalypse? 80 something days. If I remember correctly, or three months. I don't. I don't remember. We're
2: around that. three months, like 60 some days, 65 or so.
1: Okay. I don't know. Uh regardless, we're in it for, we've been in it for a while and yet there are still people who like, that woman that came back from Israel was just like, and now we have a socialist as president um, that's fascinating to me uh, mainly because I believe that would be a thing if half oh, yeah. the population just disappeared, you'd still have people being really, really political like, overly political, not, you know come together and let's fight this thing. That's why, like, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, if we were invaded by aliens and we had to fight the aliens and we had a way to fight the aliens, so we had to just come together as humanity, There still wouldn't happen. it would still be people who were racist or uh, uh, xenophobic or um, overtly political for some weird-ass reason. Uh, I 100% believe that would be the case. So I'm really happy this show is, like, no, we're we're gonna we're gonna touch on that, hundred percent.
2: I feel sorry for the pregnant girl.
1: Oh my god, yeah.
2: Because everybody's looking at her, I'm just like, oh, uh, I, yeah. uh, I just, I know that feeling would suck because she does not want to be the center of attention, and there she is, the freaking center of attention. I'm like, oh, bless your heart, girl. I hate nope. that for you, and the one person you wouldn't want to find out had to be there when all of it went down. It's like, oh, yeah, why her? <laughs> yep, that's
1: my thing. Now, exactly. is that in the
2: comic? Nope, oh wow, this is gonna Absolutely be interesting, not. yeah, because you got to think there would be some women who were pregnant when this yeah. happened, yeah, and you know, babies would still be born, but. What happens to the ones with y chromosomes? Do they die in utero? What if the bleeding she had was a male twin that she miscarried?
1: yeah, yeah, uh, again, that's 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 hundred percent why I like the show. Thank you phone. I'm gonna mute you now cause you're just fucking making noise. um the uh, the comic, like I said, it just it just focuses on york allison and, and to five, and their survival to get to san francisco like legitimately that's a huge portion of the comic of most of it actually and um we never really go back to york's mom we never touch up on any other characters uh and i know that was a complaint that people had about the comic at the time or at least you know when i talked to people after having read it myself like in 2010 or whatever um yeah, it was. It was that we just focused on them. There were so many like unanswered questions that were very ambiguous because they wanted to make it ambiguous. But in a weird turn of events, and it's like this is like Maya liking the party Thor episode. We just didn't mm. expect it. I agree with you that more details are better for this show. More information is way more entertaining for this TV show. So, uh why don't we go ahead and give the episode a grade unless you guys have any other thoughts uh, so we can move on to what if and then in the midnight mass uh, Betty why don't you go, ahead and go first
2: um, I'll give this one uh, B plus uh, wasn't exciting as the uh, other ones but yeah, you know, it was still good show um, I'm intrigued to see where it's going to go in all routes, you know, again, I want to get back to Hero and Sam. I'm curious about the political beef that's about to go down. I'm curious about the pregnant girl. And now I'm wondering about all the other pregnant women. And, uh, I'm wondering how often York is going to get by using the, I'm a trans man. you know? <laughs> so, cause some people just automatically assume they're like, Oh, it's someone with a beard. It must be a trans man. And it's like, yeah, I ain't got no clue. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's still proving to be a very good show. So, B-plus for me. What about you, Maya?
0: I'll give this episode a B. Um, you know, I really, mainly because of the interactions between York and Allison Mann, I thought that was a fascinating conversation, how she's explaining the different types of people that have Y-chromosomes that you could look at and outwardly would never assume I yeah. think that they had one uh people with uh androgen sen- insensitivity and you know other types of disorders uh where it makes it appear that a person presents female outwardly but yet they have testes inside their body
2: yeah that
0: just never descended you know the the it's not all black and white, and I love the fact that they're showing you all the gray in between a little bit at a time. Um, <clears throat> but that was the best part of the episode to me. I, th- I still enjoyed the episode a lot, uh, especially you know, 355 when she met Agent 235. Uh, I think that was 235, uh, and the supposed safe house or whatever it was. Uh, Where she went to try to seek equipment. Um, But yeah. um, Kimberly is a total bitch. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if she is there for somebody. uh, Christine. when She may have been miscarrying a twin. Or yeah. That's just like you said. The last person in the world that you want there. For your. Time of need. Uh, but yeah, everything, uh, everything, you know, is interesting and flowing along nicely. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I i really enjoy this show and I'm looking forward to next week and I'm excited for more. But yeah, this, this episode didn't hit as hard as others, but it's still really solid.
1: So it be for me. What about you, Greg? Uh, B plus. Um, I agree with almost everything you guys said. Um, I think, uh, certain little things are, are kind of like, I want to, I want to see more. I want I want the story to kind of progress a little bit quicker. Um, I feel like there are a few scenes that are, I was, I was like, okay, let me pick up my phone and look at that instead. Um, which can tell you how much I'm like into a show, but it wasn't as often, you know, I did, I didn't pick up my phone as often because the show's still really entertaining. Um, I think there was a conversation with, with Yorick's mom and somebody that I was just like, uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't think I cared for it as much. So um, but you know, again, like everything with Yorick and 355 was really entertaining. Uh, especially when 355 was talking to the other Culpal ring member. Like, I was like, oh my god, this is this didn't happen in the comic at all. This is great.
2: <laughs> okay, so here's a question I have. Did Yorick's mom know 355's plan? with the pilots, or does she no. also... That bitch didn't tell her.
1: Mm-hmm. She just tell her. That's the thing about 355, is that she is authorized to make decisions that are beneficial to the overall mission, which is why I think she did what she did with the like not telling, like breaking the antenna, and uh uh meeting up with uh, the other culpa Ring member in the safe, a safe house. Which... I'm unclear whether uh, she knew she was in the safe house or not. If three fifty five knew the other one was in the safe house or not,
2: I don't think she did.
1: Yeah, because I think she did. If she did, there wouldn't have been a fight. Yeah. Also, that fight scene was great. It was. Yeah, it was. Uh, but yeah, yeah. uh, B plus, like, really good show. Really, really fun. Um, I feel like next episode's gonna ramp up with some stuff, and I'm I'm very excited. For fuck's sake, please, please show us the goddamn Amazon soon. Holy shit. I want to see what this show, because I know what they look like in the comic. I want to know what they do with them in the show. But Now um, I'm curious. Oh, I'm so excited. We know they're in the show. Like, they're in the credits on IMDb. So we know the Amazons are coming, coming. but it's, it's, it's going to be exciting. Um, all right. Well, let's go ahead and talk about episode eight of What If? Uh, episode 8 is uh, kind of picks up a little bit, which is weird, from the end of Party Thor episode where we see a version of Ultron with uh, the Infinity Stones in, uh, in his chest and a completely different outfit, almost like he has Vision's body. Episode 8 tells us that story of how that Ultron came to be. Um, in this universe, if you remember from the movie Age of Ultron, there is a, a cradle that contained Vision's body. The, uh, the Avengers end up stealing that cradle, putting the Mind Stone in it, and then uh, uh, Thor like hits it with some lightning and it activates everything and, and Vision becomes into being. Um, in this universe, Ultron gets the cradle and uploads it completely to put his consciousness in the Vision body. Uh, this allows him to have the powers of Vision, which are pretty fucking powerful, if we're being honest. Uh, he activates a bunch of um, uh, nuclear missiles, causing nuclear winter. Uh, and we see. Say that word again. Nuclear, nuclear, nuclear. It's nuclear. You said nuclear. I know.
0: All I could think of was Superman Four, Gene Hackman's inability to say nuclear.
1: <laughs> it's one of those words that I I know that I say wrong but unless <clears throat> I concentrate. I can't say it correctly.
0: It happens. We all have those.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Like with me, when I try to say et cetera, I always say et cetera. And and I know it's wrong, but I still say it anyway.
1: uh, Even I know it's
0: E-T, I use E-X. But I don't do that with espresso, and a lot of people do.
1: Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, The other one that drives me nuts is um, irregardless. Irregardless
0: is a fucking word. It's in the dictionary.
1: You, I, you, the listeners can't see my face but I'm giving this look of like I don't care because it's negating itself. It's a word that literally negates itself
0: and I hate it. still a fucking word. It's I been in it. use for hundreds of years.
1: Don't care. Do not give a shit. It's It sounds stupid and I hate it.
0: Well, irregardless of what you think.
1: <laughs> uh, so yeah, so Ultron based on Chris Nuclear, uh, nuclear Winter. And we see uh, Natalie or Black Widow on a motorcycle racing through a um, destroyed New York. I assume it's New York. Uh, meanwhile, we see a uh, Clint Barton, aka Hawkeye, taking out Vision or not Vision. I'm sorry, uh, um, Ultron drones chasing Natalie. Um, they meet up and they they basically discover that the 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 way the two to take out Ultron is to go to Siberia where there's an Ar- Armin Zola um, computer system that's going to help them uh, get into the system. Um, meanwhile, Ultron uh, is, while he's doing this, uh, Thanos shows up and comes through a portal to which, and this is true, Vision could have done this at any fucking point, he literally just slices Thanos in, in twain. Uh a lot of people I see on Twitter talking about like Vision could have done that this whole time. Well, Vision, there's a reason that Vision was able to hold Thor's hammer. Like that's like Vision has that that very the very much a mentality to not cause harm. Um. And, but Ultron doesn't have that, so that's why that's a thing. But anyway. One of my favorite shots of this was when he, when he picks up the Infinity Stones and turns them into the Infinity Gems from the comics. Did you both notice that?
0: I did. Oh, I, was, yeah. I was like,
1: oh, that's so rad. Because um, one of the things that I always found funny about the MCU was that the stones look like little rocks, but the gems in the comic are oval-shaped and smooth. And mm-hmm. he turns them into that to put them in his chest. I was like, I oh, that's so, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for giving this nerd that. Um, but uh, he then goes and destroys every civilization in the galaxy, possibly universe. <clears throat> and as he's standing there in absolute peace, um, Watcher's giving his... Uh, his speech that he would normally do in every episode talking about like what's going on and then vision's just like i see you (laughs) and for the first time we see the watcher just like get like huh the fuck
2: (laughs) yeah i mean you know i guess we're going to find out I, I sound so country right then. That,
1: yeah, you, were <laughs> <though>. you went <laughs> zero to cornbread.
0: <laughs> that was zero to cornbread real fast. <laughs> no, I
2: um, you know what his role is in all of this? I mean, after Ultron's like, yeah, there's other universes I can destroy. Hell yeah, and he's still like, oh, I can't interfere. What the fuck, bitch? Yes, you can. Shut the fuck up! I'll, you know we're not playing by rules at this point. Do what you need to do. You know,
1: so yeah, that, that's one of the big things about like the comic was, and the jokes I kept making leading up to the show when they were uh, when they're advertising it, and we hear Jeffrey uh, uh, Wright, mm-hmm. yeah, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Wright's voice going, "I want to say Rush." I was like, "That's not right at all. Um, that's a different actor entirely." Uh, we hear his voice say, "I cannot, will not." uh Should not or whatever intervene And my joke was like Except for the, all the times you have um, As a matter of fact this guy on TikTok Who talks about comic books all the time Specifically Marvel He goes so you know he was talking about like Going into what if people are always surprised That the watcher never intervenes He goes but here's the thing the watcher intervenes All the time so I went back And I tried to find um every single time The watcher intervenes in the comics 471 times <laughs> Like well, wow. when we say he intervenes all the time, he really does, yeah. and he gets in trouble from the other Watchers all the time. But that's because Uatu has a uh, what what the other Watchers lack, which is this sense of empathy and desire to help. Uatu has that in spades. He always wants to help, and um, uh, I'm glad we get to see that. Also, his like when, when he's fighting Ultron. And uh, he puts on his fucking armor. I was like, "Oh my god, that's directly from the comic!" Thank you. Yeah. It. Oh yeah. <clears throat> that's cool. Yeah,
0: Misty really enjoyed that fight between the Watcher and Ultron. She's like, "Oh shit, the Watcher's throwing down." <laughs>
1: uh, one of the shots that I thought was so cool, like when they were multiversal battling and punching each other into different universes, um, the one of the one of the quick ones is Mustafar from Star Wars. Really? If you watch the scene where Ultron is, like, pushing or, like, I don't know what to call it, through different multiverses, or different, yeah, different universes, there's one where it looks like a lava planet. Pause it, and you can see Vader's castle in the background.
2: Ah.
0: Huh. I will have to go back and check that out.
2: Yeah, so, do you think um, Doctor Strange is going to come back in the last one?
1: Oh, I think, um, uh, so there was a commercial that happened, like, right after episode one no joke it was for like some lexus fucking suv and it was um it was like post apocalypse natalie captain carter t'challa uh, uh uh and um doctor strange supreme standing in a circle fighting a bunch of ultron bots that were coming at them while vision was above them blasting them with his hand and then through a portal came party thor drifting through all of them in the in the lexus uh and I went. Well, that seems like a bit of a spoiler, huh? I don't think that the final episode will have Party Thor drifting through the fucking Ultron drugs, but oh, but I want to see it. <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of saw this coming just because there was too, there was too much evidence towards it, uh, and it's so weird to me to see this because this is totally fucking new. Multiversal Avengers, if we want to call them that, is not a thing in the comics. That's never happened, as far as I know, beyond like Spider, uh, 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 the Spider Verse comics. Like, I know that there's the Council of Reeds, which is a bunch of multiversal Reed Richards, like who kind of control things from a distance or whatever, um, which Rick and Morty has parodied. Uh, and. There are tons of multiversal things that happen in the comics but never like never like this. So, but it fits, it works. It totally fucking works and I'm excited to see how next week's ends. Um, I fucking absolutely love Infinite Ultron his design. Like I want a toy of that Infinite Ultron. I think it looks so rad.
0: Uh they'll probably announce it next week. Hasbro because if you've noticed after some of these episodes have aired like they have their fan first days which are like Tuesdays and Fridays and things like that and they announce new action figures for their Marvel Legends line they've shown actual figures from what if okay mhm but it's I, I, usually after they air but I guarantee you that action figure has been
1: designed and
0: will be announced probably within a week
1: Alright. Yeah, I, I I fucking love it. I know that, um... I know that one of the, uh... One of the complaints I saw about this episode, and I'll bring it to you guys' attention, was uh... them constantly killing characters that we know. Like, people were bitching that this is the fifth time we watched Tony die this series. Um... Yeah. Yeah, I was
2: like, I told Jeff, I was like, Tony Stark should just be removed. He's the variant that needs to be removed. He causes a lot of problems.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's you're not wrong. There's a. Have you ever heard of... Okay, so going a little bit off topic here, there's a comic series called Axis. What Axis was is it basically turned everything on its head. Uh, villains became heroes and heroes became villains, but in a weird way. So like one of the comics was how Carnage this terrible, terrible, terrifying villain in Spider-Man's comic series. Mm -hmm. Um, He becomes a good guy, but he still has this, like he still has Cletus Cassidy's like psychopathness in him. He's just not killing anybody. He's just trying to save them. But like, there's a, there's a whole thing where like he, uh, he doesn't understand how to do things properly. It's a whole, it's really fucking weird and really stupid. But anyway, one of the things that they kept from Axis was this, like, really, really shitty version of, of Tony. Like, he's almost a villain. It was a series called Superior uh, Iron Man. And people fucking hated it. Because it made Tony into this, like, complete piece of shit. Um, like real billionaires? <laughs> like, it, it was. it was... What people hated about it was it wasn't the Tony that they knew, obviously. But, again, it was accurate to... The um, story
2: that yeah. they were trying to create.
1: Yeah, like, it, I don't know. It was a whole thing. But um, one of the big th- Like, the thing that, that Superior uh, Iron Man does, or this particular Tony, is he creates a an app that allows you to use the extremists. Um, it wasn't a virus. It was nanomachines in the comics. Uh, Use extremists to basically create your your ideal self. So, like, let's say I use it. I'm suddenly, you know, 180 pounds. I got some muscle definition. And, uh, you know, my dick's bigger. I don't fucking know. Um, Whatever. You know,
0: got to get away from that micro penis somehow.
1: Motherfucker. You shouldn't have said it.
0: You walked right into it. Yeah,
2: you did.
1: I know I did, but I didn't think. I didn't think. That's that's ultimately what it comes down to. I'm um, always
0: going to pull out a callback joke if I can.
1: Uh, for anyone's uh, curiosity, I don't have a micro penis. Um, uh, so he says. Anyway. Um, so everyone uses this app, right? Everyone everyone gets it, makes their ideal self. And then after a week, without any warning, it goes pay $100 a month or lose access to the app. Like, some real evil billionaire Jeff Jeff Bezos shit. And, uh... Um... And then there was a bunch of other shit that he did that was fucked up too. But, you're absolutely right, Betty. Like, Ultron is 100% Tony's fault. 100%. Which also leads into Civil War and why he's, like, okay with the... Like, they kind of made that work in the MCU. Um, and, uh... Um, but this leads into my next point that there's a whole parallel of like uh, uh, Hawkeye sacrificing himself so, so, so Black Widow can get away. And it parallels the shot in Endgame when Natalie sacrifices herself for the Soulstone. Um, and and what, what makes me laugh, what I always find funny, is that these stories, these what if stories, aren't canon necessarily. They are side stories that you can ignore, you can just enjoy. But the biggest complaint I see is that people are just like, I'm tired of watching my favorite characters die in this show. They're not
2: really dead. Get over it.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's, it's so bizarre to me. I don't, I I don't get it. And that's why, that's what I want to throw in your guys' lap. Because I, I, it's, it's, since we're going to be watching the finale next week, like, expect more death, I guess. I don't know what else to tell you.
2: Like, Yeah, it doesn't bother me again, but. Back to my nightmares. I've watched people I love die multiple times in my nightmares. I don't wake up. I'm tired of watching the people I love die. It's a fucking nightmare. I don't. Life goes on. This is a show. Get over it, people. They're not real. (laughs) Yeah. Stop being such a special snowflake. I don't know what to tell you. Get real friends. (laughs)
1: Like, yeah, it was like an end game when I watched it. You know, I'm invested. I probably was a little emotional when Tony snapped his fingers and did what he did and then died. And I was like, oh, that's really sad. But there was also, like, background to it. It was the Tony that we knew, the Tony that we watched. This The, the versions that we've seen in this show are not the Tonys that we've watched. They're different Tonys. This is a different Clint. This is a different um, Doctor Strange. Like, I can't, the, the list goes on and on it's so weird to me but yeah I just wanted to bring that up because I see that like every week every week like especially when a character that everyone loves is is dead and I'm just like not dead dead like they could come back in a what if they could also what the fuck (laughs) it's a show again
2: get some real friends (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you other than that because obviously your life is really sad if this is what makes you mad
1: i personally am, am I, i'm i a big fan of a show killing off a character um one of my favorite shows is is firefly and i remember i don't know if you've either if either of you have watched firefly um Oddly
0: enough, I own serenity and have seen it several times, but never watched firefly. Okay. I'd never heard of the show, but I saw the fucking DVD one night at Walmart. And I was like, this looks cool. <laughs> Bought it, went home, watched it. I was like, wow, that was awesome. I love that. And then I found out firefly was a thing and I've still never gone and watched it. <laughs> Cause I know how the story ends.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, So, Serenity was out in theaters and it was coming to DVD. And I had a bunch of friends, uh, and and my brother going, Hey, have you ever seen Firefly, Greg? And I was like, No, I've never seen Firefly. There's also a woman that we knew that with the comedy group I was, was, uh, PAing for. And they were like, You should check out Firefly. And I went, All right, I watched Firefly. So I watched the entire series season because it's like, it's like 12 episodes. And I fell in love with it. I was like, This show's fucking fantastic. Um, and uh, going into the movie, I was asked by multiple people who are your favorite characters, and I said Wash and Book, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and they were just like, I think, <laughs> I think, I think my buddy Jawara's reaction was okay, <laughs> like, that was it because he, did, he didn't want to spoil it for me. And I was upset that Wash died, like, I was legitimately upset because I loved that character. Who doesn't love Wash, right? And, God, but, on I, the wind. but I love that he did, it. I love that he did because it, it made the story more impactful, you know? Um, to me, when you're watching something and you love these characters and somebody gets killed off, I think it makes for such a better story. Oh, it yeah. gives, it gives our protagonist more ammo to, to, to be stronger, to fight for that person or, uh, I don't. I just, I, I I. think that that's something that's special about good stories. Um, I'll give you another example of why Mass Effect is such an important series to me. Um, I will try to make this not a long-winded story, but I know I'm guilty for that. Uh, in, in the game, in the first game, there are a number of characters that you run into. One of them is named Tali. She's a Quarian... I don't, I think her planet, I don't, her planet's not named after her race. It's like, we're humans, but also earthlings, whatever. Um, Her entire species can't breathe regular air. They are, they get sick very easily, but you meet up with Tali and I immediately fell in love with Tali in a platonic way. Like I was like, she's like a little sister. I have to protect her at the end of the first game. Nobody really dies on your team. But the way the second game was structured was you had to do a bunch of side missions and scan planets and a whole bunch of stuff like that to make the ship stronger. So that way, when you went into your final mission, nobody died. As a matter of fact, my buddy Andy, he did that. He spent hours making sure that his ship and everything was 100% ready to go. When he did his final mission, no one died. I did not do that. I beat the game as a story progressive sort of this situation i didn't race through it but i didn't do very many side missions i didn't scan planets almost at all so going into the final mission i said that Tali was she was really good with with um, computers and technology so i sent her on the mission to do that she caught a fucking rocket to the face i was extremely upset about it Like I had to pause the game and process that this character I fucking love was trying to protect died under my watch. When I went into the second game, when I went into the third game, her death made the third game more impactful to me, way more impactful. By by playing the third game, I go to her planet because her her people created this robot series called the Geth, and uh, the Geth and the Quarian were at a war. I had to go there and figure that out. Not having woken up the Geth character in the second game, because I didn't pay attention, uh, I didn't have the two main characters for this mission from the second game. Because it remembered what I did. I had some random Corian character. I had some random Geth character. And meanwhile, I'm doing this. At the end of the mission, it goes, do you want to give the Geth like, complete... Um, what do you call that when you give uh, sentence sentience? Do you want to give them complete sentience or do you want to take it away? And I said, give it to them because that was the option for there's two, there's Paragon and Renegade. And I was doing Paragon. So I did the Paragon option in space, the Quarian race and the geth race are staring at each other. And when I give them sentience, the Quarians get scared and start firing upon the geth. The Geth, having full sentience, sentience, go, well, if you're going to fire at us, we're going to fire at you. Killing every single Corian in the galaxy. The one Corian I had with me on the planet's surface sees remnants of her fucking people's ships coming through the atmosphere, looks up, turns to you and goes, you did this. You killed my entire race. Boom. I can't tell you how upset I was. Like, I stopped playing the game right after that for a solid day and a half. I had to process that. Tali's death in the second game and what ended up happening in the third game made Mass Effect such an important thing to me. And when I see people bitching and complaining that we're watching Tony die like every other episode of What If? I'm like, stop your fucking bitching. It makes the stories better. It makes them more entertaining it makes them more impactful. This was a really, really long-winded way to tell you guys that I really enjoy upset deaths in in stories. (laughs) So, all right. I'm done. I'm done with my rant. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Let's go ahead and give a review to this episode. Maya, why don't you go first?
0: Uh, Again, it was a fun episode, uh, but... Uh, I like the ending where he meets up with the isolated strange that's in his own little pocket outside of his collapsed reality uh, to say, um, I need your help. So looks like we're going to have one of the things we wondered, you know, are these shows going to tie in? We've absolutely got our answer. Yes, they're tying in, and we're seeing a cohesive story being developed here out of all of it. It seems like, um, so I'm I'm excited about that, and I realize I use the word "seems" twice in a sentence, um, but yeah, uh, did I give it a grade yet? No. Uh, I'm flip flopping here on this. I think I'm going to give it an A minus. You know, it was it was enjoyable for what it was. I really liked, you know, Arnim Zola. Uh, I liked the use of Black Widow and Hawkeye. But as good as they are, they wouldn't have been that good. Uh, (laughs) uh, I I, I don't know, but. (coughs) The premise behind everything and the setups—what, what really helped these, this episode for me? W- what did you think, Betty?
2: Um, I give it a B plus. Uh, I mean, I like how it is drawing everything together. Um, so I'm just curious to see where it's going to go from there. I don't really have any majorly impactful thoughts on it. So
1: I'm just gonna pass it off to Greg. Yeah. Uh, I really like the idea of like a, an Ultron that <laughs> gains the powers of the Infinity Stones and the Vision body and just destroys the entire fucking galaxy. Uh, the visual aspects of this episode were really, really gorgeous. Um, like I said, the fight between Wa- Watcher and Uwatu. Oh, sorry. Um, Ultron and Iwatu, uh were really fucking cool to look at. There's that one universe where we saw Steve becoming president. Yeah. Um, uh, I also like the idea that, like, there were people in pocket universes who just watched uh, an Ultron punch a Watcher and then straight up disappear within a second. Like, it's <laughs> like the fuck, the hell happened? <laughs> um
0: Definitely a blink and you missed it kind of moment.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, some fucking taxi cab drivers going through, you know, Times Square and. Slams on their brakes for nothing, because they saw that for a second. Uh but um, uh, there was another thought I had about it, but I don't remember what the fuck it was. Anyway, um, but yeah, like uh, uh really excited for. I'm gonna give it an A minus. That's what I was gonna say. That was the greatest thing. Give it an A minus. Uh, because I still think there t- there's a little bit of a leap of faith here that it takes, much like most what ifs. Um, and, uh, I, I still feel like a lot of the what ifs from the comics made a lot more sense. Like you didn't have as many of this, like, well, what about this? What about that? Uh, this show doesn't do that. It, 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 it's trying to tell a, a very specific plot, which is fine for the most part, but, um, yeah, that's why it gets an A minus, but yeah, love the Ultron design. Of Infinite Ultron's design, fucking love it. Like, I, like next week is gonna be a great finale, I think. You know, with the multiversal Avengers. Uh, I don't know if we're getting Zombie Spider Man, Zombie Hunter Spider Man. Sorry, but I hope we do because there's a shot of in the tra- in the like the the mid season trailer where it's uh Doctor Strange Supreme standing next to Party Thor, and Party Thor says, "Zombies? That's a that's a great idea, or something to that effect." So. We'll see where that leads. Up next on our syllabus is Netflix's limited series made by... Um,
0: Mike Flanagan.
1: Thank you. Holy shit, my brain just stopped. I was like, what was his name? Uh, the look
0: on your face. That was great.
1: Uh, Midnight Mass. Um, this guy also did uh, Haunting of Hill House and Haunting of Light Manor, to which we have watched on this podcast and given pretty high reviews for Um, I think it's safe to say that we like Mike Flanagan's work. So that, again, is all I went into with the show. I didn't watch a single trailer. I just went, cool, I'm in, because I like his other shows. Um, Well, I I watched
2: a trailer, and I had to tell you, I could have not watched the trailer and still had as much information going into it. That's (laughs) good. I'm glad (laughs) to hear that. It left you going I don't know what the fuck this is but I want to watch it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm glad to hear that. I'm really glad. I'm glad cuz like that that's I, that's the thing about trailers that always drives me nuts is like it gives away too much sometimes so.
2: Oh, this one definitely did not. It just I gave didn't. you some shots that were that had some dramatic music with it and I was like yeah, I have no idea what's going on here, but this looks fascinating.
0: <laughs> I didn't watch a trailer, but you know how if you're like scrolling through Netflix and you stop on something, it'll show you like 60 seconds of a scene. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I was I, I had it pulled up to put Midnight Mass in my list to watch, and the scene that it shows is the scene of Father Hill uh, walking alongside, uh, uh, Lisa, uh, Scarborough as she's rolling along in her wheelchair. And he's talking about how his past has led him here, just as her past has led her there. Uh, it's that scene. I was like, "Oh, that gives me no context context whatsoever nope. of what this show is about.
1: Nope. That's perfect. Perfect. I'm so happy to hear that. Um, Before we talk about this, we are going to talk about spoilers because we're talking about all seven episodes. If you have not watched Midnight Mass, stop listening to this podcast, go watch the show, come back genuinely. As we have, as we have plainly stated right here, it is a much better show going in borderline blind. Um, that being said, from here on out, we are talking spoilers. So,
0: because you can't talk about this show without spoiling it, obviously.
1: One hundred percent, so uh let's dive into the first bit of the show uh we see the character Riley uh months prior to the events of this years prior to the events of this he uh he's in a um uh an accident where he was drunk and killed a woman
0: um killed a teenage girl she was was making- I
1: thought it was a woman sorry
0: she was only sixteen, I think they said,
1: wow, okay, I missed that part um. But he's, he's uh, troubled by it, if you will. Like, he sees her every time he goes to sleep. And I legit thought this was going to be another ghost story because of that shot. I thought for sure it was going to be another full-on ghost story like, like the other two shows were. Uh, boy, oh boy, was, was I wrong. Um, so it starts, like, the real story starts off with Riley coming back home after getting out of prison. And uh, he lived, quote unquote, lived uh, on this small island off of the coast of. Uh, um,
0: I'm going to assume that it's in the Pacific Northwest region of the United States because at one point, when his mother's walking him home and she's talking about how everybody is packing up and leaving Crockett Island, that one of the people there took a job in Oregon. So I'm going to assume that this, and and it's set in the springtime right around Easter, but yet everybody's dressing like it's really chilly. So I'm going to assume that it's in that region off the coast of Washington State or Oregon.
2: It was, uh, they, it was filmed in um, BC. British uh, Columbia. Yeah, and Vancouver Island. And then another place um, in Canada that is a lake but they did the shots to where you couldn't tell that it was uh, nice. landlocked. Yeah. So it is, um, but it is based off of his own experiences growing up on a small Island
1: off of New York. You know what oh. I was going to say is, is, and I, I texted to Maya after like the second episode was this show gave me very strong, like may like, really well done obviously, but made for TV uh Stephen King movie. Like it oh, felt yeah. like this island was off the coast of Maine. Like I was, that's just what was screaming to me the like the first few episodes. Um and if Mike Flanagan came out and said like his entire inspiration for this show was based off of Stephen King novels, I'd a hundred percent agree.
2: Oh yeah. Salem's lot was heavy. Yeah. There Absolutely. there was a lot of um <clears throat> Stephen King horror in there that I was like yeah, it's not. It's like I told Jeff, it's not based off of a book, but it's based off of books. You know, there's yeah. a lot of things thrown Thompson in here inspired. that he's he's taken. It's it's like fan fiction, in a yeah. way. Yeah,
1: in a way. Um. Uh. I know that. Like, I was looking at his IMDb because I was like, what are the movies has he done? Because this guy, I like fucking love Mike now. Uh, he did Doctor Sleep. He wrote the screenplay mm-hmm. and directed the movie. Had no fucking clue. Now I want to watch Doctor Sleep. I mean, Doctor really Sleep's a great movie. Uh, the book's great too,
2: so and he did a really good job with it. So
1: yeah, Stephen King even said like he was really impressed with the movie. So that was
2: yeah, and he doesn't say that about a lot of things based on his stuff. So no, he does not. And I appreciated it because I did read Doctor Sleep when it first came out because I love The Shining, and um, the book was fabulous. And what he was able to translate from the <laughs> book, he did a great job. I I liked
1: the movie a lot. That's good to hear because I know that uh a, a lot of people have criticized uh Mike Flanagan's work in bizarre ways. And I remember seeing a lot of people criticizing Dr. Sleep for like weirdly not being accurate to the con or to the book. So
2: Well, again, there are certain things that you can't portray that you know your imagination is not gonna have any problems pulling certain things out of thin air. But you're not going to be able to translate that to TV. Yeah, you know, you're not going to be able to translate that to a movie screen. It doesn't work like that. Right. I think it they, you know, it was a good job. I liked what was done with it. And I hope to God Stephen King does another one of those because I think that he could continue this story on.
1: Yeah. You
0: know what I would love to see Mike Flanagan tackle if they were given another Stephen King adaptation? What's that? An ongoing series of the Dark Tower series.
1: Oh, oh I think he'd kill awesome. it. I think he'd 100% kill it. Like, Oh, dude. Um, all right, well, let's get back to Midnight Mass. We're getting a little off track here. Uh, yeah,
0: and, and just a side note, Crockett Island, where Raleigh uh, goes back home to, population of 127 people total.
1: Yeah, it was really tiny. Um, so There's uh, no cars. No cars at all
0: on the island. Everybody travels by foot, boat, or bike.
1: I mean, yeah, yeah, there are like actual islands like that too, which is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. I was watching a video of a guy saying that like he lived on an island for a couple of years and the max uh uh speed limit well for cars was 20 miles an hour, yeah. So, yeah,
2: well, I mean, well, not islands here, but we have small towns like that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, where you've got my like town. 127 people,
0: <laughs> my town's 1400 speed limit of 25 all the way through it.
2: Yeah. Wow. <sighs> Damn. There's well, a lot and, of little small towns off in of North Carolina too that are like that creepy little places.
1: Um at the end of the first episode, we cuz we get we get introduced to a lot of characters. At the end of the first episode, there's a massive storm that hits the island. In the morning, the 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 the, the entire beachside is covered in dead cats. Uh, you find out in episode 2 that these cats did not die from just being drowned, or whatever, like they have actual slash marks or bite marks taken out of them. Um, and uh, we uh,
2: well, let's not forget Riley's come back to this island. You know, he's in AA, he's everybody knows everybody, so he's trying to mind his own business. Storm comes, he sees what he thinks is the Monsignor of the church running what, around yeah. outside. And then all of a sudden there's these dead cats. So, you know,
1: yeah, he's, yeah, he's weird very like the
2: foot. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's very clear from the, from the get that something's off. And in, in the episode, the second episode, um, we are introduced to uh, oh, what did he call himself? I'm drawing a blank here. Um,
2: Father Paul,
1: Father Paul. Thank you. He calls himself Father Paul and he says that the uh what is the name for that the group we got that...
0: we got introduced to him in the first episode
1: I guess I should say more more so by the idea that he had was it was it in the first episode that he had the congregation where he basically said that Pruitt was on the uh the mainland in a in a hospital not well yeah I thought that was the second episode. I don't know why that all runs together. It may or have been. Dad. It
0: may have been the second episode, but yeah, that that's. Uh, but he was introduced in the first because he gets off of the ferry, and Beverly Keene is like, "Where's Monsignor Pruitt?" He's like, "Oh, well, I'm here. He's not going to be back just yet, but I'm here in his
1: place." Uh, okay. I don't. I genuinely don't remember that, but that's also episode one where they're just kind of introducing characters, and
0: yeah, and you're introduced to a lot of characters in that first episode.
1: Mm. A lot. Uh, well, let's jump ahead a little bit. Let's get to the meat and bones of the show. Um, episode three is when everything starts really fucking taking off. Uh, we learn that um, Father Paul knows the story of Pruitt. That uh, Pruitt went to um, Israel. Uh, Jerusalem,
0: was, uh, Jerusalem was, specifically. To
2: walk in the footsteps of Jesus.
1: He, he, he goes to the wailing <laughs> wall and then, and then like gets lost from his group. And we see him uh, go into a, a cave of sorts. Um, he gets
0: but, caught in a sandstorm and finds a cave in it. Yes. While he's seeking shelter.
1: Uh, there's a creature in the cave that he calls an angel. The angel attacks him and starts drinking his blood. Uh, the angel then makes him drink his blood. And he then wakes up in the morning, a young man who we see is Father Paul. Um, question for you two. Mm-hmm. Did you get the vibes that I got from this scene? Like, I seen a lot of people talk about it. And a word popped into my head that's never uttered in the show. Of Vampires? Yeah. Immediately, I was like, oh, this is a vampire. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, 100%. Tons of people didn't catch it was a vampire until, like, episode four or five. How? I don't know. Immediately, <laughs> immediately I was like, oh, vampire! Awesome!
0: <laughs> I have to say, after seeing this show, coolest way i've ever seen vampires fucking done
1: absolutely i think i said this to to my buddy andy because um we didn't talk like i didn't spoil that it was a vampire he's only watched the first episode but one of my favorite things about haunting of hill house was how ghosts are tackled how like uh uh, um the girl like you know she sees the bent neck lady and it's the entire time it's herself like fucking love that i love that you had like you get to haunt yourself in the afterlife or what like Oh, it's such a brilliant fucking concept. I've never seen it done before, and this is the same thing for me. This depiction of a vampire—I was like, "Oh, this is brilliant." Um, but we digress. Uh, episode four. Yeah, yeah, episode four. Yes, is it episode four? Sorry uh uh Paul and is is trying to get because there's another character that we see um I'm so if I can find his name unless you both remember it the uh, the drunk Joe,
0: uh, Joe Colley
1: Joe Colley thank you go. uh Joe Colley a long time ago when um uh, Lisa was like seven uh accidentally shot her while being drunk in the spine. Um, she's paralyzed. And he feels extremely guilty for it. Because, uh, yeah. yeah. Why would you not? Um, but it never stopped him from drinking. So Father Paul doesn't really want uh, Riley, who is court-ordered to go to AA, to, go to keep going to the mainland. So he's like, why don't we just do it here? That way you don't have to leave. So Paul and Riley started an AA thing. Riley and Paul, in a way, convince Joe... To join them, but also by this point, if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Lisa miraculously starts walking again.
0: Yeah, that happened in episode three.
1: Three. Okay, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and that—that's one of the things, you know, it's something that you notice through this is everybody that attends the church look at how haggard and rough and weathered they look at the episode one and how they start taking on more youthful uh, appearances and Mm -hmm. seem to just be getting better as time goes on and as time progresses.
1: The most significant one is the doctor's mom. Yeah. Yeah, That's the most significant
0: one. Uh, That is definitely the most significant one, but Rowley's dad and mom also are very noticeable. Uh, The mayor Mm -hmm. and his wife are very noticeable, but it's everybody that attends uh, daily mass uh, you know because they have mass daily on this island uh, and Father uh, Father Paul he, he actually goes to the doctor uh, her, the doctor on the island her home, her mother Mildred is bedridden and she always loved mass and he's like I'm bringing mass to her
1: She also had dementia if I'm not mistaken
2: Yeah she, yeah, she had dementia, dementia too
0: she had dementia as well. Uh, but yeah, he's like, I'm going to bring mass to her uh, and I'll be here every evening. And you start to see her slowly get better as well. So it is in episode three that you see um, he's giving communion and Lisa's sitting there in her chair and he holds out the communion wafer and she's got her hands out and he takes a couple steps back. So she rolls forward and he goes back up towards the pulpit, up the steps, and he's like, take the communion. You can do it. And then she stands up and starts walking, and everybody's like, oh, my God, it's a real fucking miracle. So that leads to her going to Joe Collie's trailer in the woods to confront him about how awful her life has been because of his actions and how she hates him but yet she forgives him. And that's what led him to going to that AA meeting.
1: Yeah. Um, which was a very, like, I was like that, that like, again, there's so many scenes in the show that are so tense and. uh Provocating that you just, you cannot look away. And that was a thousand percent. One of those scenes, like her kind of telling him, like, I, I hate you. I still hate you, but I forgive you. And the thought of, of her forgiving him made Joe just fucking break down. God, that scene is gorgeous. I, Oh, like one of the things I'm going to kind of break here for a second. One of the things about this show that just, I, I fucking love is the performances. Like everyone fucking showed up and said, I'm 100 percenting this. Nobody phoned it in even a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Um, Um, because like one of one of my f- like favorite people that's a celebrity, if you will, uh, that is in this show was in uh, Bly Manor, Rao Cooley, who plays Sheriff Hassan. Uh, not only have I heard people compliment him on his portrayal of a of a Muslim, because Ra Cooley is not Muslim, he is atheist. And um, but he wanted to he wanted to portray a Muslim in the most positive light possible. So they actually hired a uh, um, I don't remember the guy's name. It's Muhammad something, but he's uh, he worked with Raul directly to make Hassan a proper Muslim, and I fucking love that. Like, yeah, I'm not I'm not religious. I don't like I don't follow any kind of doctrine on anything. Um, you could consider me an atheist if you want, but respect for other people's religions and respect for people who are peaceful and, and, and practice a religion, I think is very important. And it, it stands to a, a, it's a, it's a, it's a testament to just how much Mike Flanagan and the other cast members give a shit. Yeah. So, you know,
2: I mean, and it was a good balance to the fanatic Christianity that uh, Bev was definitely bringing to the table.
1: Oh, yeah. God, I I loved to hate her. Good. Yeah. I love to hate her.
0: She reminded me as uh, my contempt for her is up there with my contempt for Dolores Umbridge from the Harry Potter series.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I knew that was was what you were going to say. I just knew it because, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, um, yeah.
0: <laughs> there are some characters that are so well written that you just absolutely... Hate them to their very core with every fiber of your being, and this is one of them holy shit
1: yeah oh yeah absolutely um you you I always and, love a I always love a good you woman. ever, you ever but,
0: know somebody that's like her though
1: uh yeah, not personally but
0: I do oh I do.
2: I don't think you can live around here and not know somebody like that
1: yeah. yeah, that's true. that's fair um anyway to to go back to the story to what happens next uh one day during like this was an episode at the towards the end of episode three, um Joe Colley shows up because uh Father Paul was like sick. And that's the first time that we see Father Paul. I think it was episode three when we recognize that he can't go into the sun. Um, was it three uh, he had,
0: No, it was episode four. But he had been going into the sun <laughs> in
1: all these other episodes.
2: Yeah. I mean, he does walk out into the sun and, like, outside the church and stuff. That was- I
1: should say this is after he died. He poisoned himself. Yeah. And then when he came back to life, he couldn't <laughs> be in the sun. Yeah. Um, and the the thing about Joe was this particular scene, which again, I think it's the end of episode three. Um, he starts to recognize that this particular newspaper article of uh, Father Pruitt, um, or Monsignor Pruitt, from way the fuck back in the day, looks exactly like Father Paul, and he's like kind of looking at it, but because it's an old newspaper and photos weren't that great and it's print, it's not quite like you can't you can see it, but not really. And, uh, at this point, some, I don't remember exactly what happens, but, uh, Joe gets pushed down and his head. He's, open.
0: He's going to leave and, uh, father Paul gives him a hug. And when he's hugging him, he's like overwhelmed with the vampiric hunger and he's wanting to feed on him. And he's like, get off of me. What are you doing? Get off of me. And when he breaks away, he falls backwards and busts the back of his head on the corner of an end table, that's and right. that's what happened.
1: Because because he, he starts bleeding out his head, and then that's when Paul is <coughs> completely overtaken and, and feeds on him. Uh, because the next the next night, because they do midnight mass, and then no, uh,
0: no, they hadn't done the midnight thing yet.
1: Oh, they were talking. Yeah, they it were was talking. It the
0: next. About it the next day for daily mass, he didn't show up.
1: Cause I remember what I remember is that Riley went to AA and Joe didn't show up. And it was, well, that's later on. That's later on. Okay.
0: Um Yeah. The, ne- the next morning after he feasts on Joe uh he didn't show for mass. And that's when Beverly King goes to his, goes to right. his house and sees that he is just feasted upon. And then she calls for the mayor and the the main island handyman Sturge. She calls for him and the mayor. She's like, take it, roll it up in a blanket, put it on the boat. When it gets dark later on tonight, dump it five miles off the coast.
1: And you guys are like, it. It's like that's Joe. We know Joe. It's not an it.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's and she's then she's like, okay, take Joe, roll him up in the carpet. <laughs> yeah. But she's like, okay. So she's obviously has her suspicions and she's totally fine with whatever this is that Father Hill has. She is totally okay with it because she sees it as a gift from God because he's performing real miracles. Yeah. And she's covering for him. So she's like, daily masses aren't going to be happening while well, he's under the weather. So we'll have them in the evening mm-hmm. when he's feeling better. That's how they got they progressed to the midnight part of
1: it. Right. Okay. Um. Because to me, the 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 show like it's it's it's. Ugh. I don't want to say it ever plateaus or goes down like whatever. I'm using the roller coaster analogy as in like it's climbing and then fucking hits a max speed. That's kind of what I'm going for. So it doesn't go downhill. The show never goes downhill. I'm just saying the fucking speed of a roller coaster. As after episode four, when um it's after the AA meeting, uh he realized Riley realizes that Paul has lied to him about Joe, goes back to the center. And, um, but the angel is there, uh, pouring his blood into a uh, decanter. Decanter, thank you. Um, and it attacks Riley. Uh, because the next episode, most of the next episode, is Paul and Riley in the center during the day, and Paul is trying to explain to Riley what he's become. Um, that to me was when the show really like just fucking rocketed. Like I was like, I I don't remember picking up my phone during any part after that. There were a few conversations that I probably got distracted and looked away or whatever for the first half of the show. But that, that from that on, I was like, the fuck what's next? Does it, am I making sense with that analogy? Jesus Christ.
2: Uh, Sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing before we progress further, because I know what port you're leading up to, you haven't even mentioned Erin, uh, te- one of the two school teachers on the island, along with Beverly King. She's the other school teacher.
1: Yeah, because yeah, there's a lot of
0: people. She was Rowley's childhood girlfriend. Uh, she had recently moved back to the island. She's pregnant. She had started going to mass, uh, which was very uncharacteristic of her. Um, but, uh, her and Riley had been reconnecting and he had been spending lots of time at her place. Yeah. Um, and on the evening of the AA meeting, when he realizes that, uh, during a moment he and Joe had bonded, uh, Joe revealed some information about his sister passing a few weeks prior. And that was the lie that he caught father Hill in uh, saying that. Oh, Joe's gone to the mainland to visit his sister, so he won't be with us. He went to confront him about that, and that's when the vampire was there and attacked him. Um we but should yeah,
1: also mentioned the thing about the thing about Kate and her baby.
0: Yeah, that is another thing they had uh, been mentioning. Kate, you mean Aaron?
1: I'm sorry, Kate Siegel's the actress, my bad.
0: Yeah, Mike Flanagan's wife. <laughs> really? Yeah.
1: I did not They're know. Married. They I did not mm-hmm. know that. That makes sense. I mean, she's uh yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Cuz she's the, like <laughs> everything he's done.
0: Yeah, the and uh, in, in episode 4 in that episode she had learned that she had miscarried. Like she was 20 some weeks along, 20, 21, 22 weeks along and everything that had been checking out wonderfully and then all of a sudden her uterus is entirely empty like just and she goes to get tested and they're telling her on the mainland that there was no evidence that she was ever pregnant and you know after a, a woman miscarries for at least 6 weeks there's still evidence in her blood that she was pregnant right uh but yeah so it was she was uh obviously devastated And, you know, because the baby had saved her life, as she had explained, because of the situation she was in and what it caused her to do. Uh, You know, and that was part of the bonding process between her and Riley. Um, So the whole episode after, like, when or during one of those episodes, he's telling her about his recurring dream that he has. He says, every night I have the same dream. She's like, what's it about? He's like, I find myself sitting in a rowboat. And I'm on the water. And the sun's coming up. And then there's a bright light. And then I wake up. He said, it never progresses past there. But he said, last night this dream was different. She's like, how was it different? He's like, you were there with me. And, you know... Don't think anything of it. It's like, hmm, why is he having that same dream so vividly? <sighs> I yeah. just wanted to bring that up.
1: No, it's important because because there's a sh- there's a shot at the end of episode five. Uh, episode five is pretty much Riley and Paul inside the center, right? Um.
0: Yeah he 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 goes to her. He goes to Aaron. Riley does to explain himself why he stood her up the previous night. Why he's showing up almost 24 hours later and asked her to go out on a rowboat with him to talk. And he's recapping the story of him and father Paul in the rec center.
1: And she goes, I remember she says like, let's say I believe you. Let's say that, that, you know, this entire story you're telling me is accurate. Did you just bring me out here because I can't get away from you? And he's like, no, I didn't bring you out here. Cause you couldn't get away from me. I brought us out here because I can't get away and that's when it dawned on me what he was doing. Mm. Oh yeah. Um he was waiting for the sun to come up. Uh Riley being the probably the biggest voice of reason in the show decides well he doesn't want to be this vampiric puppet and he waits for the sun to come in and basically kill him. And let me tell you the the uh the heart-wrenching impactfulness of, um, uh, of Aaron screaming during the credits as he's just turning to ash. Holy shit. Like I was, I was, I, I, I was sitting there in shock. Like legit. I was just like, Oh, Oh, this is rough. Oh boy. Next episode. You want to start soon? <laughs> Yeah, that was,
0: that was brutal.
1: Very brutal.
0: Because they had just reconnected and just, you know, confided in each other that they had, that they were in love with each other again, you know, after all these years. And it seemed like, it seemed like he had finally found purpose in his life. You know, he was slowly finding purpose with his life again after losing everything that he had. And, you know, he seemed like he was finally headed towards a good place. Yep. And then, boom, here's the rug.
1: Yeah. <whistles> and I'm just, yeah, I just, ugh, it's, it is, it is, it's rough to watch. But it's also 100% necessary to the story. Um. It just makes everything come to a head. I like how the final shot that he sees is the girl that he killed so long ago, looking normal. She doesn't look like she was in that wreck. And she extends her hand out. Yeah. Like he finally found peace. I was like, oh, so it's, it's fucking that, that beautiful tragedy. They like, uh, just the symmetry. I just ugh. like fucking chef's kiss, Mike chef's kiss. I loved it. Um Betty,
0: do you have anything to add to this scene?
1: Ready? Hello? No. Oh. <laughs> um, no. Well, let's dive into episode six, um, which I'm genuinely trying to remember the differences between six and seven. Because I think six well, was leading up to the to the mass that changed everything.
0: Yeah, they're... they're it's going to be an Easter mass. It's the good Friday before Easter and father Paul has promised the island that they'll see why it's a good Friday and promising them something even more miraculous than Lisa's recovery. Yeah. Basically it's his plan to convert everybody into vampires.
1: Right. Um, but
0: that's when Aaron goes back to the island, uh, even though Rowley begged with her to flee the island, she went back to the island to warn everybody if she possibly could. So she started with his family, and of course, they didn't believe him, well, his mother specifically. Yeah. But then uh, she warns others, and the really the only people that would believe her is the doctor, uh, Sarah. And her mother, who is now looking younger than her daughter, Hildred.
1: Yeah,
2: she had a glow up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um I also like how uh her those two and Aaron were basically like trying to figure out a way off the island. Meanwhile fucking Father Paul is having um I can't think of the characters' names, but having them sabotage the electricity and the boats on the island.
0: Well, it wasn't him that was having all the sabotage oh, Be- was- going on. It was Beverly. That's right. She was having the mayor and Sturge, uh, you know, get rid of the ferries for the day, uh, disable the cell phone tower, uh, any means of communication with the mainland, just unable to do it. Dismantling all the engines on the boats, uh, for the most part, most of the boats. Yeah, there were still a few boats that were in operation.
1: Yeah, uh, mainly rowboats, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe some sailboats. I don't remember exactly. I just so know they, they didn't specify
0: they didn't specify what boats were left, but uh, there uh, were just a few that were still in working order
1: okay um yeah this uh this all led to that 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 midnight mass where just about everybody who was in the show had shown up, including um sheriff Hassan and his son Ali who ali was starting to show signs of because of the miracles he was seeing miracles um he was starting to become uh as, as Love Rao Cooley his accent sometimes would come through like Christians um as all the Christians were doing uh he uh his son was was starting to change faith and that's when you get a lot of story about who Hassan is uh with his wife you know dying and and how she died and and him moving away and wanting to get away from from the mainland and just this really remote quiet island and uh, why it's so important you know throughout the show we see why it's so important to Hassan why Ali is a Muslim but um, there's also a speech by him in the school about how Muslims are people who want to seek knowledge they don't they're not they're not terrorists. They're not people who want to just hurt people because they don't believe the same thing. Uh, Muslims are knowledge seekers and something I've known for a long time. They do see Jesus as a prophet, but not the prophet, if that makes sense. No, um, no. Yeah. That's, uh, cause that goes well to Muhammad. Um, and, uh, uh, I, I, I loved that so much i loved that speech i loved how well uh he gave that to to be the the complete antithesis to to beverly's character um it was so fucking fun to watch uh but in in episode six you know he he tells uh the doctor why he's not willing to uh search for somebody or whatever um, like why this is, it's, it's affecting him. Um, but he ends up even going to the church with Ali because Ali says, dad, it'd really mean a lot if you came to this Midnight Mass with me. Uh, yeah, this became a problem because um, <laughs> uh, at Midnight Mass, Hassan is, is upset by what he's hearing. He proceeds to leave. He grabs Ali as he turns around and looks at the door there's the angel. Um,
0: well, what was happening was she was having, uh, uh, she had a uh, sturge and keep in mind, all these people have been taking the sacrament, which has uh, the, which has the, which, blood
1: which is basically the distilled version of the vampire's blood. Um, I assume they were mixing it with the sacrificial wine to make it not taste like blood. But. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, But what she had done was had him drink a shot of rat poison, and it killed him, and then he resurrected. And that's when he was like, no, we're leaving, and that's when the angel was there in the uh, doorway of the church. Uh, If you want to call it an angel.
1: That's what I I, I I'm gonna, not gonna lie like that's the thing I absolutely loved about this show was um its depiction of something like that and their minds forcing like this mental gymnastics to change it to switch it into something religious to a Christian angle I loved that they were calling this fucking vampire an angel that to me was was just a beautiful. Brilliant turn that I, I cannot fucking compliment more. Um because to me that's a testament to being blinded by something like that. That you're so adamant about this specific thing that you can't see what it truly is. And that's what was happening here. And the only person who could see through that was Hassan. Um not oh not only, sorry, not only character. That's incorrect, but the character at that moment was Hassan. Um, i also a little touch, little note. Um, I love that when they're vampires, whether it be a human or the vampire itself, the eyes glow,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, but,
1: but it just looked like cat eyes. Like, you know, you, you'd face the fucking camera at the wrong angle or whatever. It was like,
0: look. it's like the eye shine of an alligator in the night.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I was just like, Oh, that's such a good fucking, such a good idea. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so so right after that shot, like, um, a bunch of the characters take a shot of the poison. Sorry if you're hearing construction suddenly, because someone's deciding to drill a hole and whatever. Um, uh, but yeah, everyone starts taking a shot of this rat poison. Uh, they start dying. and they get back up, but then they get that vampire hunger, <laughs> and chaos fucking ensues um which leads us into episode 7 the final episode
0: well the a little bit more than i missed one, yeah uh hassan had brought a gun into the church and pulled the gun on father paul uh trying to get his son away ali ali drinks the fucking rat poison. And he had secretly been taking the sacrament and he revives and he's now a vampire. Um, but in the chaos that that ensued, uh, Mildred grabbed the gun that was knocked to the floor when people tried to wrestle away from Ali and she shot father Paul right through the head. And that's when the angel, the angel attacked and grabbed her and swooped her out into the night. Um and that's when Bev took over.
1: That's right, yeah. Uh yeah, is I I don't remember. Is it the end of episode six when we see um I almost call her Kate again? Aaron shoot Bev.
0: Mm-hmm. That's the end of episode six. Okay. She's like, uh they're they're locked in, they're getting ready to run out, and she's like you only have five minutes. She's like, <laughs> shoots her and she falls dead to the floor. She's like, you heard her. We've got five minutes and they all <laughs> turn and run. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. Cause episode seven is, is the chaos is now all over the Island and all the people who had come back as, as vampires, including the ones that were, who didn't drink the, the poison, but then were killed by the other people turning into vampires came back as vampires and they went around the island pulling others out of their houses and and feeding on them and possibly turning them into vampires not everyone obviously there's there was a bit of a line towards the end of episode seven where uh one of the guys is, shows up and says like i killed my wife and my son and, and <laughs> like uh, you could have brought them back he's like what yeah, <laughs> yeah. um so it's, it's assumed that not everybody on the island got to come back but uh during this chaos uh, but during it, um Hassan, Aaron, uh the doctor, the doctor's mom, I don't blame names, they're all hold up Mil, yeah, Sarah
0: Sarah and Mildred.
1: Sarah and Mildred. So yeah. They're all holed up in a house with um Lisa and uh Riley's younger brother Warren and Ali and Hassan what's that?
0: Warren. Warren.
1: But anyway, they yeah, they're on a house and, together and
0: the, Riley and Warren's mother.
1: Oh, that's right. Yes, you're right. Sorry. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, because uh, uh, Riley's parents like fought off the other zombified people. I forgot about that. I didn't forget about it, but in the moment of trying to remember everything that happened in Episode 7, I forgot about it. Um, anyway, just to speed this up a little bit, it's, it's a bunch of chaos around the island, and Bev instructs a bunch of the people to start burning all the houses. Um... During this, she decides that she's going to make the, the, the Pruitt Center uh, a, a, a safe haven from the sun so everyone can sleep during the day or whatever you want to call that after everything was said and done. Um, and uh, meanwhile, all the other characters that are not vampiric have gone around the island to make sure that they don't have a place to be saved by the sun. They start burning. No, they they start
0: burning the boats. They're not worried about that. They start burning the boats so they can't get to the
1: mainland. Well, that's what that's what um, Lisa and Warren were doing because Hassan and Sarah were trying to burn the church and the center.
0: Yeah, yeah, they they get to that point. Yes.
1: Um. Like I said, I'm just trying to speed this up because we're already going hell along in this episode. Uh But um what I loved about this was uh, a few of the characters like Riley's parents hadn't killed anybody. They were vampiric. Mm-hmm. They had the hunger, but they, they refused so they to wouldn't get on, into it. Yeah. Which I love.
0: Ali was the same way. Hassan's son.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so in the final moments of the episode, the, 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 the last remaining place that is available is the Pewitt center. The, like the church is burning in the background And, uh, but that's the final place. And and Hassan was like dumping gas on it. And, um, Bev shows up with it with a gun and shoots Hassan in the leg. And, uh, as he's, as this conversation is happening between them, uh, Hassan says like, I'm not the only one or something like that. Or you missed something. I don't remember the words he used, but then it shows, um, uh, Aaron coming out of the center, pouring gasoline as well. Um, keep in mind in the church, by the way, before it burns, uh, Father Paul and um, uh, Mildred, Sarah, uh,
0: oh, yeah, they're on the steps of the church, they were having the conversation, and it's revealed that they used to have an affair back in the day, and Sarah's their love child.
1: Yes, that's what I was getting at. and Sarah's standing there, and uh, um, as they're as they're like talking to Sarah about like good, do it, like burn the place down or whatever. Uh, that's when um, the other dude with the beard. What the fuck was his name? Sturge. Sturge. He shows up and shoots her. Uh, essentially, f- sealing her fate, killing her. She doesn't die immediately, obviously, but, um, but yeah. So, so right after, uh, uh Paul and Mildred are like mourning the, the the loss of of Sarah. Um, don't they burn the church? Like they drop a torch or something. They, remember. they're
0: the yeah. They, they had the lighter that she had, and they that's he right. picks it up and throws it in.
1: Yeah, or um, no, as
0: they're leaving. She actually knocks a lit candle over.
1: That's what. Yeah, just that's nonchalantly. Okay. That's, just that's nonchalantly. Yeah. So so the church is burning in the background, and Hassan is shot in the leg, and there's a conversation between him and Bev, and she shoots him in the gut. Um, at this time, uh, Aaron walks out and is like about to throw a lighter onto the gas. But the angel comes out of nowhere and swoops her up. Um, as the angel is is feeding on her, you see her pick up a knife and start slicing his wings, slicing into this the, the webbing between his the the wing joints. The membrane. Right the membrane, yeah. And uh, I was like, "Oh, that's fucking, that's awesome."
0: Um, and he tries to like he's he's so consumed by his hunger, he looks briefly at his wings. As she's cutting into him, and she just grabs him by the back of his head and pulls his head back down to her neck.
1: Yeah. She's that like,
0: oh. was nicely done.
1: Uh, but um, she
0: turned his wings into Swiss cheese.
1: Yeah. And I don't remember how the, the center starts burning. Something Ali. Was, Ali, Ali picked up the
0: lighter that Aaron had and had dropped. And Beverly's like, step away from there now, son. And he's like, toss it, lit it up, and yeah. that was the last building.
1: I think I think the- I cheered like super loud. I was like, yeah, fucking y'all. Um, by the way, in, in this moment, it should be very clear that um, Lisa and uh, Warren have got a, a rowboat, and they're just they're they're kind of coasting away from the island. Um, yeah, and uh, so back on the island, uh, everything's burning in Beverly. Beverly is like, there's gotta be a place we can hide from the sun. And uh the other guy was like, Nope, you burned everything. You you're the one that wanted to burn everything, and she was she's just kind of stood there and, and freaked out. And so the last shot of the show is the angel with his wings all sliced up trying to fly away from the island and not making it. And Warren, I think Lisa says, like, do you think it can outrun the sun or something like that and he was like no not not with his wings cut like not at that speed not um, not
0: 30 miles no it's not going to no. make it
1: and uh the entire island gets together and and they stand in a in in the middle of the town and they're singing a a hymn meanwhile uh Hassan and Ali go to the beach along like also um fucking uh, uh Bev goes to the beach um and Hassan and Ali start start praying towards Mecca and um uh the sun comes up and the, the island members start burning. The uh Bev starts trying to dig into the sand to get away from the sun and she starts burning. And there's this really heartbreaking shot of Hassan on the ground, obviously dead from his gunshot wounds, while his son like starts to burn while not holding his father. Um and uh as the sun comes up on Lisa and Warren you see this ash come over like this, it kind of trails over to Lisa and Warren and you hear Lisa say, I can't feel my legs. The show ends.
0: I love how too, when the sun come up, all of a sudden the hymn just stops simultaneously. Everybody just dead silence. You just hear
1: burning.
2: Let's also discuss um, Aaron's speech to Riley as she's dying.
1: Oh, yeah, because yeah, because as yeah, as she's dying, because there, there was a speech, there was a conversation between them about what happens when you die. And Riley's speech was very like the same kind of things that I talk about as, as an atheist about what happens when you die. And hers was not about how she dies, but about what happened to her baby. And um, she never talked about how what happens when she dies. And that was this speech, which was beautiful.
2: It was amazing.
1: I completely forgot about that. Thank you. Yeah,
2: that that was like the biggest moment of the show for me. It was beautiful.
1: Yeah. No. It it was. It was a perfect knot or bow on this wonderful show. Um. But yeah. uh,
2: Do not watch this if you're looking for a happy ending.
1: (laughs) No, it's bittersweet. It's definitely a bittersweet ending, uh, and I say bittersweet in that like the vampiric uh, uh, virus was killed essentially, um, so no more, no more, no more vi- vampire. But well,
2: that during of it—I mean,
1: if there's one, you know, there's more. Likely, very likely, uh, but for the case of this small island, uh, it sucks that Lisa and Warren are the sole survivors. <laughs> Good luck with that trauma, kids. Uh, yeah.
2: Have fun well, explaining to, that one to the cops. <laughs> hey, we,
0: what cops? The only cop was he's dead on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> you think they're gonna
2: go to the island and the and, or the mainland and the mainlands not gonna be like what happened to the fucking island that's burning out there? How come you two are the only ones that made it? Yeah, you know, what the fuck?
0: <laughs> they drank that whole, the
2: remember that whole island was lit up like I mean. Fireworks because it was all on fire. It was do you gosh, think you would have been somebody able to see saw that?
1: that? I was like, Yeah, do you think you've been seeing it 30 miles away? Yes,
0: yes, or, yeah, that's absolutely, they would have seen absolutely. It. They would you have can, in, in, in a clear night, you can see a campfire, just a single campfire, probably 10 miles away in, in open air,
1: yeah, and that whole so, island, you're, yeah, it was 100% burning, so um. But uh, yeah, um, good lord! I, I don't. Uh, any other things that stand out in the show? You guys want to talk about, or do we want to move on to grade? Because I can't. I mean,
0: we can we've spoiled it. the shit out of it, but there's so oh, yeah. much <laughs> detail that we didn't add in, so much that we didn't talk about it, or touch upon.
1: The show does a fucking absolute excellent job at fleshing out every single character that's important, and there are a lot of characters. So. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have anything else to kind of spoil about it or, or bring up other than final thoughts. So do we want to wrap this puppy up? Sure. All right, Betty, why don't you uh, start us off?
2: I definitely give it an A plus. Um, you know, again, really didn't have a clue what it was going to be about. He, He brought in a lot of different story elements that I'm familiar with, but he definitely made it his own. And he did a beautiful job of it. And I'm looking forward to what he's going to bring to us next. So, A-plus in my book. What about you, Maya?
0: Oh, absolutely, an A-plus. This show had me hooked from the get-go. Going into it completely blind, I had no idea what it was going to be about. You know, even seeing the one scene, I was like, okay, that tells me nothing. And then starting watching it, and at the end of that first episode, I'm like, okay, the intrigue is absolutely there. What's going on on this island? And I watched it uh last Saturday. You know, the entire thing, last Saturday, Misty, and I watched it. And... um. I messaged Greg or he messaged me. He's like, I just finished the first episode. He's like, holy shit. This show is interesting as hell. I was like, I just finished it. He's like, you fin- mm-hmm. finished it already. I was <laughs> like, well, yeah, I'm going to be busy the next few days. I didn't have time to watch it, but today. And, uh, and yeah, it's the, the, the tone, the, the premise. I've I've never seen vampires done in a cooler way. Uh the 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 character development, the background, the the impactfulness is just everything was top fucking notch. I love this show. This is one of the best shows I've watched in a while. Uh absolutely. And I hadn't even heard of it until last week. Yeah. So
1: You're welcome. Um Thank uh you. (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah, but yeah, absolutely an A plus. What about you, Greg?
1: Yeah, one hundred percent mirror what you guys said. Uh, a plus around the around the board. Like, if anyone wants to bitch and complain about Rao Cooley's accent on occasion, go fuck yourself. He did an excellent job. Um, like, I don't care if like his accent pours through a little bit. Look at the look at the way he's emoting. Look at the way he's acting through those scenes. He took time and effort to make sure that the Muslim character was right. It, he's perfect, absolutely perfect. Um, or as in the last show that Mike Flanagan did, wonderfully splendid um perfectly, perfectly splendid sorry uh, um but uh yeah like like you said Maya I I've never seen vampires done in this way and I love that the idea something for me that I just adore about this this show is that it took kind of fanatical uh uh christian attitudes and tied it into this vampiric sort of thing and I just I loved it I was that to me I was like I I I want to see more of that. Like I love I I love vampires, but I hate the vampire stories where it's like Christians are the only thing that can beat vampires. Like that's uh, okay. It's part of I, me.
0: Part of me was secretly rooting the entire time that this vampire was fucking Jesus. Oh my
1: god, that'd have been that'd have been awesome. But I'm still I'm I, I'm like. Again, A plus. I, I I can't fucking say good enough. And I, I and I can't stress this enough. Like, if you listen to us talk about this show and we have spoiled it for you, I I can't. I, that's on you. I'm sorry. Like, this show is so much better without going in knowing anything. It really, really is. Um, I can't imagine having known what I know now going into it, having enjoyed it as much. Genuinely. And you're
0: not a guy that usually lets spoilers affect him in any way, so that's saying
1: something. That's saying something, 100%. If you told me the plot of this last week's episode of Why the Last Man or What If, wouldn't have cared. Would not have cared. Would have probably still enjoyed it the same way around. Not this show. It would have diminished in quality a little bit. And I say a little bit in that it's still unbelievably well done. Uh people have asked me, like, how does it compare to Mike's other works? And I'm like, it's his best work by far. It's yeah. his best work by far so far.
0: And I love the hunting of Hill House. And I yeah. love the hunting of Blind Manor. Yep. But this blows both of them away.
1: Out of the water. hundred percent And the other thing I really like about it is it it's it's a horror story that has almost no jump scares.
0: The only guess- one that got me was that Molotov cocktail coming through the window.
1: See, that I wasn't even...
0: expecting that. It the made two, me jump.
1: The two things that made me go, oh, was uh, when Father Pruitt was in the, uh, or Monsignor Pruitt was in the cave and it, like, showed up in front of his face and, roared and like, screamed. That got me a little bit. And when um, it uh, leaped at Riley, that got me. Other than that, I didn't really jump at anything. But, like, you want a perfect jump scare? There's one in Hill House. That's a perfect jump scare. Mm-hmm. Um, in the uh, car. Uh huh. The one that made me almost poop my entire jeans. Uh, huh, huh, huh. oh my God. Like I was talking to, uh, my buddies last night. Cause, uh, uh, my buddy Mark had seen, just watched Hill house. And I, I said, uh, so, uh, what happened when you were with, with the scene with the two sisters in the car and now was in the back seat, And he was like, he was like, Oh, like me and me and my uh, fiance, like fucking, like, I almost choked her out. <laughs> Oh my god, but uh, I can't say enough good about this show. It's uh, it's unbelievable. Like I, I saw it getting tens and nines across the board, and I was like, wow, it's that good, huh? It's that fucking good. It's really that fucking good. There it's it's a rare occurrence on this podcast that all three of us give a show an A plus. It's never happened before. It's, it's that rare. <laughs> So that, that also, I think, speaks volumes, but yeah. Anyway, uh, this is a two-hour podcast. <laughs> That's a thing. Um, so we're going to wrap it up, guys. Next week, we're going to be talking about the finale of What If and the uh, uh, sixth, sixth episode of Why, of Why the Last Man. Uh, mm-hmm. We got nothing else because part of the show is going to be about our anniversary. This will be our fourth anniversary doing this podcast. Uh, there's something special we have. <laughs> uh, we're not going to spoil it yet, but... You're not going to want to miss it, and it's going to be a a better visual thing than it it will be uh, for the listeners, but it'll be good. Uh, Uh, You
0: absolutely will want to watch the YouTube version, and all three of us will be on camera.
1: Yep. Uh, I'm excited. Mostly excited. (laughs) hmm Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm
0: absolutely excited,
1: <laughs> but I don't want to say it. I don't want to say what it is yet. Um, so, yeah, I just know.
0: I'm just going to say one thing. I remember MagFest, so I'm absolutely excited.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I'm, oh, it's going to be a good one. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, everybody, make sure you check out all of our uh, 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 socials down below. That's where you'll follow us if we add anything to the podcast, which we will not next week, but in the future. Um, Go follow the Twitch channel, my Twitch channel, ChubRuckGeek, twitch.tv slash ChubRuckGeek. I know I keep saying it. We will do it eventually here. We're going to start streaming Jackbox again for at least a while uh, because the next one's coming out in the middle of October. So we definitely want to get into that. Um, And uh, go check out the Teespring store. I know that we're going to have stuff uh, that coming into the fall and winter season. So if you want something to keep yourself warm, I'm sure we have something there for you. Um, uh, and, uh, check out the YouTube channel. Like we said earlier, this particular or next week's episode, you're going to want to watch, um, at least the beginning of it, probably the entire hour, if I'm being honest. Uh, so that'll be fun. So go, go, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. um, and give an episode a like, give it a comment. It helps with the algorithm, helps us out, yada, yada. Uh, other than that, I don't have anything in my notes. Maya, where mm-hmm. can folks find you?
0: Uh, you can find me on Facebook under my name, Maya Dawn Fisher. Uh, it's a public profile, so feel free to follow me. Uh, hit me up with a message. Friendly chats are always welcome. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, you can do so at the, on my Facebook page. Those are linked to my profile. Easiest way to find me. Uh, if you want to catch me on other shows, I'm involved in three other podcasts on the Realm of Collectors YouTube channel. Every The alternating Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on Shelf Gravy, which is a uh, creative-themed podcast where we make dioramas, paint, uh, build, uh, you know, various things involved in the creative process and explain processes and answer questions from the live audience and things like that. Uh, also, if I could say them, things like that even more, I will, uh, on Fridays at 9 p.m. every Friday on Nerd Life Syndicate, where we talk about all, to, all uh, types of news from the pop culture and entertainment industries, being from movies, TV shows, comic books, toy announcements, things, uh, other uh, things of that nature, uh, <laughs> and sometimes sports talk like last week. But hey, uh, that's everywhere where you can find me. What about you, Betty? Uh, you
2: can find me on Facebook under Betty Badger
0: and you can find me
2: on Twitter under Bright Betty. Greg?
1: Uh, you can find me under Chubb Rock Geek under all socials. Um, also, haven't done anything with Anthony in a hot minute for the Mission Star podcast stuff but that's also because he's building a new PC so that's why I haven't heard from him. But uh, eventually we'll get to that, so I'll talk more about that in the future. But we have other past video game-based stuff if you want to check that out. Um, I did a review on uh, It Takes Two, which Anthony did a great edit on, so if you want to check that out, it's Mission Star Tubes. Um, but other than that, uh, I nothing else going on except this podcast and watching things. Um, yeah, uh, everybody, thank you for listening. Again, Episode the, the finale of What If, episode 6 of Why the Last Man, and something very, very, very special you're not gonna want to miss. I promise you, it is very good. At least I hope it will be. Uh, Maya is extremely excited and Betty's a little scared, but it'll be it'll be good. Um, but yeah, that's it, everybody. Uh we'll see you next week.
2: All right, peace, love, and polypops, everybody.
0: Take care.